Welcome back to the Magic of the Spheres podcast. This is Sabrina Monarch, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I am speaking to you from my room, and I'm hours away from a plane flight. I am going to Bali. I will be uploading this episode and having it scheduled to be published. So as you listen to this, I am, I should be in Bali anyway. And I'm so excited. I'm basically jumping out of my skin. I have Jupiter in Virgo natally, and I have been preparing and taking care of details for a while. I think it's been a month that I've been pretty meticulously planning for this trip. And I've learned from traveling that as a Jupiter in Virgo, that the more little details I take care of, the better the foundation for my adventure, and the more fun that I have. Anyway, you might be new to this podcast, so I should probably introduce this show a little bit more. And if you are a returning listener, thank you for being here. I really appreciate your time. For those of you that are new here, I'm an evolutionary astrologer who writes weekly forecasts, and I started this show to have more eclectic conversations about the spiritual life and being on a personal development path as a spiritual person. So I'm gathering conversations on this show to support you on your path of living more magically and living with more psychological empowerment. For those of you who have been involved with my work for a little bit of time, you may remember that back in April, CC Seer of Abundant LA and I did an Instagram challenge together called the Uranus and Taurus Challenge. This was a 30-day challenge to post on Instagram every day when Uranus entered Taurus for the second time. So Uranus entered Taurus last year, last summer, and then it retrograded back into Aries and it re-entered Taurus in springtime of this year. And for the first 30 days of that re-entrance of Uranus, the planet of awakening and downloads and brilliance and epiphany in the earth sign of Taurus. So this is a time to have a lot of revelations and breakthroughs about the body and our relationship to the earth element and to earth itself. This can be an amazing time of having a personal revolution around how we're cultivating our life and how we're cultivating our self-esteem. Uranus and Aries was kind of about breaking stuff up and instigating and interrupting and, you know, just being like, I'm here and like really uncovering and kind of setting fire to what we were wanting to shake and break up in our lives. Uranus and Taurus can seem like a little bit of a contradictory placement because Taurus is about stability and Uranus is not really. Uranus is about paradigm shift and it can be a planet that brings shocking awakenings. But I think that they actually have a beautiful marriage together in this time and era that we're in because a lot of us are needing to or are awakening to the relationship that we have with Earth. 
If you've ever had a experience with your body, perhaps it was through yoga or tantra where you discovered energy or you had a kundalini awakening, that was an embodied experience. That is so amazing. Our bodies are so amazing. And the relationship that we have with earth is also something that we maybe can be asleep to for periods of time. We're in a culture that certainly is disconnected from the earth. So remembering that there is a way that we can communicate with the earth, with the terrestrial is huge. And as an astrologer who has been building relationships and connections with the planets, Venus, Mercury, Jupiter, so on, when I started to connect with earth at a deeper level, I could hardly believe it. I was already an astrologer and I was just like, wow, like this is such an amazing planet. The, you know, there's magic to all of the planets and earth is certainly not excluded. So anyway, we did this Uranus and Taurus challenge where we asked people during a Mercury retrograde in Pisces, which is pretty much a perfect time for this kind of thing, to go outside every day and communicate with the natural world. So that could be plants, it could be rocks, it could be the sea, whatever it is, and get a message, get a download, and share your experience on Instagram. And we had over 40 people participate, posting every day these really wonderful stories about what happened and what they heard when they went out into the woods. And with that amazing experience of the Uranus and Taurus challenge behind us, Cece and I got together to record this podcast about plant communication and about forging a relationship with the natural world. Cece is so beautifully walking her truth, walking in a really profound relationship and communion with the plant world, with earth. And not only this, but she really shares it with other people. She helps people learn how to garden. She hosts events to help people connect with plant spirits. She's up to some really cool offerings. Now, you know when you're in the presence of someone who is just steeped in what it is that they love to do and they just radiate and share that and your universe has changed from knowing them? Cece is that person. See what moves in you from listening to this episode and afterward how you might want to deepen your relationship with the plant world. And maybe I'm speaking to the choir. (laughs) Maybe some of you are already extremely connected, but I mean, personally, I can speak from the experience of not being as connected to the earth as I am to literally other planets. And okay, I'm an astrologer, so that's fair, right? But it was actually getting to know and building these really deep relationships with the planets that opened up kind of the space or the template, if you will, to understand really the majesty of earth. And I remember what it felt like to harvest dandelion roots from the woods, grind it up, like dry it out. I think I baked it. (laughs) I put it in the oven, baked it, got it to be all dry, ground it up by hand with a mortar and pestle and made tea out of it. And whenever I had the experience of eating the things that I had harvested, I had such a deeper communion with that. And I would even be visited in the dream time by plants that I had imbibed. And I realized that earth was luscious. And that is kind of part of the earth archetype, Taurus, 
the earth side of Venus, it is lusciousness, it is abundance. And it's so important with what's happening on the globe to have a really strong relationship with earth. This isn't a time to disassociate the kind of consciousness that wants to objectify or is separate from the earth is not the kind of consciousness that is going to help us get out of and heal this situation that we have on the planet. But really tapping into earth consciousness and forming a relationship with earth is where it's at. And so it's really important to speak with people like Cece. You know, you can go connect with her on Instagram, maybe go to some of her events if you're in LA, but wherever you are, if you know someone in your community who is really connected to the plant world and you get to spend time with people like that, it's an amazing way to get deeper into that world. If you are someone who is always getting outside and always connecting to the earth, good on you. I'm so happy that you do that. It's so good for the nervous system. It's good for the heart. It's good for the psyche. So keep that up. And if that's something you're wanting to incorporate more into your life, I hope that this episode inspires you because it's not even just about going outside and smelling the smells and feeling the feels, but also opening up to kind of the porousness of receiving messages from plants. And we talk about that in this episode. And without further ado, here's my conversation with Cece. Welcome. Thank you for coming onto the show, Cece. Thanks so much, Sabrina. It's good to be here. It's great to have you. Um, Will you first tell us a little bit about yourself? What's your story and what got you into building relationships with plants? Awesome. Yeah. Um, Thanks for the introduction and the great introduction question. Um, My story, I I think I was born with a close relationship to the earth and to plants. And um, it really came from, uh, yeah, me growing up in like a house with a big yard and a lot of wild space around. Um, And my family has a place in the mountains where um, like our house is just fed by a stream and and, um, like very connected to the elements up there, the plants and the water. So I grew up with that sort of connection. Um, And I think when I went to college, I wanted to maintain that. And so I started gardening myself. I'd done that as a child, but started it up um, as an adult and then graduated and moved into a big city into Los Angeles. And it was so, there was so much less plant life than I was used to living in a city that I really wanted to cultivate that connection and that life in, um, my life. So I started growing gardens and just tried to put myself into wild spaces as much as possible and slowly made that my work. Awesome. And I mean, you have a pretty mystical relationship with plants. I feel like it goes beyond the physical or just knowing what they do to the body, but you actually interact with their consciousness. Do you have um, kind of, was there a moment that that started where plants became more mystical to you or was it always that way for you? Yeah, I think that's a really good question too, because I think it always existed, but I don't think I was always so aware of that in my consciousness. So I think that like, I remember as a child, like talking to plants and to even like just physical objects and animate objects. And I felt the energy and everything. I really like crystals too. And that was a big part of my childhood and definitely like communicating 
with the spirit realm in a way. Um, but I lost that a lot as a young adult and going through college and everything became a little bit more cold and intellectual and rational. Um, and so when I started working with plants, it was pretty physical, um, like planting seeds and suddenly you have something that's like producing and they're bugs and you try to get rid of them and it's all about the end product. Um, but the spirit started seeping back in and it became really hard to ignore, like hearing the voices of their plants and just like being like, tuning into these. It wasn't necessarily me tuning in. It was more like getting messages that were really impossible to ignore. Do you have any examples of plants talking to you like that? Yeah. Okay. So there are a few of them. So I think with my gardening work, again, this is like professional work helping grow food for people. So I was growing these veggie gardens and I would start to notice mushrooms all over the place. And that was really fun. And just like mushrooms to me are a clear bridge to this like magical realm um, and have a way of like connecting and communicating people and spaces. And uh, so that that just felt really magical. It was like this bright spark in my day that was otherwise like, again, planting seeds, harvesting, dealing with problems in the gardens. And then there were these mushrooms that were popping up and those had nothing to do with the work at all, but like felt felt like this little special blip. Um, so that was really cool. And then when I started diving more into the world of herbs, like not moving away from the edibles, but just starting to incorporate more medicinal plants into my life, um, I had some really cool communication experiences. Um, one of which was in New Zealand. I was working in this community garden and living on the land. And I was having a really hard time sleeping this one night and it was a full moon. Sometimes during the full moon, I'm like extra energized. And so I went out and I was just called to walk around this herb spiral that was right by our house. And I was walking around the herbs and everything was glowing in the full moon, but there were two plants in particular, the wormwood, which is an artemisia and the mullein. And those plants just had this like magnetic aura that drew me in and they were like, look at me, pay attention to me. The white sage was one of them too. There was actually some white sage growing in New Zealand. And so I ended up collecting seeds from all of those plants because during the span of me living there, they bloomed and then they went to seed and I collected some of the seeds and grew them at home. And I still have some of those plants growing, which is amazing. Um, but those plants, they were just, it was like, to me, the plants don't use human words or if like their communication filters through my brain and I hear it in English, but they have, they do have this like vibration and magnetism and um, an aura and energy. And like, again, these plants in New Zealand were just glowing, like pay attention. Like they're just, you know, there. Um, yeah. Again, hard to ignore. Sounds super dreamy. So what yeah. do you do now with, um, you have a business called Abundant LA. What is that? Yeah. Um, so Abundant LA, um, I started or this business was born about a year ago, just over a year ago now, which is super exciting um, to celebrate that milestone. Um, so Abundant LA was born out of my work, again, growing 
edible like food for people. Um, but I started to become really interested more in medicinal herbs. And I was also developing a sensitivity toward the earth and my, my farming that was sort of at an odds with the work that I was doing before. And so that meant like I, I wasn't tilling and I was just like more sensitive with the diversity of life, like the bugs and everything in the garden and becoming more in tune. Um, so eventually it came time to part ways with my former work and start my own thing. And that was Abundant LA. And the name comes from um, this, I think it's in like rebellion to our culture of scarcity or lack, this feeling that there's not enough food in the world to feed a growing population and all this. And the abundance is this idea, like this reminder that we actually do have abundance growing all around us. And we can reclaim that as individuals and grow our own food and make our own medicine and and walk out, like go for a walk in the mountains and find all this stuff growing around us that we can work with and that nourishes and feeds us. Um, so that, yeah, the name became the reminder and that's sort of the ethos and the soul of the business is reclaiming and remembering our connection to the earth and reclaiming that connection as birthright. Like we all deserve to connect and we all deserve to be nourished and to have enough. Um, yeah, so so that's, that's where, um, that's how it was born and that's like what it still is in its essence. That's beautiful. I feel like there's a, a kind of common alienation from the earth or the messaging that we get when we're younger, that the earth is not really alive, you know, that it's like bio alive and yeah. it's like living, but it doesn't really have consciousness or feeling or have anything to say. So what do you think are some of the paradigm shifts that you've experienced around how you perceive the earth? Mm, yeah, I think that's such a great question too, because we do acknowledge, right, in school that like bio, right, the earth, like the, the beings on the earth are alive, the plants are alive, but there is this disconnect, at least when I was going through my schooling as a child, we didn't talk about plant consciousness. Plants were alive, but they weren't conscious. They didn't have brains. They didn't have feelings. And that the same could be said for like anything that we eat or interact with that isn't human. Um, but I didn't feel that way as a kid. Like everything around me felt alive. And I felt like it was speaking to me when I spoke to it and, and responding. And I was like very engaged with the world around me. Um, so I think that for me, it was like, it wasn't as much a paradigm. The paradigm shift for me was learning how to weave that my own knowing together with like the, like try to find a place for it, I guess, in our society that doesn't really accept this consciousness. And I think that a lot of people do have the same feeling that I did as a kid, like these plants can speak. And um, the more I opened myself up to that possibility and that knowing, the more I connected with people um, around that, that knowing and that feeling. So how do you communicate with plants? Like personally, how do you do it? And how do you think others can start? Yeah, um, that's a really good question too. And I sort of alluded to this a little earlier, but for me, the communication isn't always so obvious. Like the plants aren't yelling out like, hey, you over there, like we have a message for you. But, it, you know, it's not like 
that clear. It doesn't come in English, but it is also that clear. Like that night in New Zealand when the plants were just glowing and there was this like, it was just impossible to ignore them. And so I think that the, the messages come in through like all senses, through feel and touch and sense and, um, and like visual stimuli, of course. But, um, but I think what allows that communication to come through is listening and deep listening and learning and cultivating that and um, relinquishing a sense of control. And again, I had mentioned the earlier gardening work I've done, which was really um, production based. So it's like we need to produce for our clients so they have food, so they pay us. And um, taking a step back from that and listening to what just being like, these plants know how to grow. Like we plant a seed and they grow toward the sun and they're able to produce. And me controlling them like usually isn't working out well. If I'm like spraying a bunch of chemicals on them to keep the bugs away or to try to make them grow more, like it's not, I, I like seem to be putting the balance out of whack with this control. So I need to like let go of that control and listen to what the plants have to say because they know how to grow and I can probably learn a little bit from them. So, yeah, so for me, the actual like slowing down and listening allowed for the messages to start coming through. Um, and so that's how I practice it now. Like I don't go to the plants with any sort of agenda, but I'll just walk through my garden, like really with an open heart and like kind of like a soft gaze, like you would approach a meditation, just like quiet and relaxed. And then I listen and I pay attention to what comes through, like, oh, I see a ladybug. Like, what plant is it on? Like, there are a bunch of aphids on this plant. What's going on? Um, so just like, yeah, really listening for the subtle messages. And I would encourage anyone else who's interested in communicating with plants um, or cultivating a relationship with the living beings around them, any living beings, plants or rocks or whatever, uh, animals to do the same thing. Just listen and, and be present and be a witness um, because there's so much communication happening in subtle realms and subtle levels and languages that we may not understand yet. But the more we hear them, the more we begin to understand. Right. I think sometimes people think that the messages that they're getting from the plants are just themselves or their imagination. But something yes. that I like to do if I'm going to try to communicate with a plant is to notice what gets evoked in my internal realm when I'm around that plant. Mm. Because it's just like how you might feel a certain way around a person and you know... Yes a little bit about what that person's energy is because how you feel when you're around them. And it's really similar for plants. Um, yeah. I'm curious if there's like a few example plants that you could mention in terms of like what their personality is like or how you've observed them. Like maybe mm. mugwort. I like how you mm. talk about mugwort. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, first I want to acknowledge your, like your question. And then the lead up to the question was just, amazing because um yeah i see plants as beings and very much like humans each one with a different personality and often when i'm working with students i suggest that they treat plants as such and not think that because one person had an experience where like mugwort made them feel energized like not everyone is going to have that same experience like every person and plant have different synergy like every you know 
people, a couple of people have different synergy when they have a conversation or get to know each other. Um, so I think it's important to knowledge, acknowledge each individual plant as an individual being. Um, and yeah, okay. So specific examples. I will get to mugwort. I'm going to circle back around to that because I love it and it's my favorite, but I find that mugwort's a little bit like deeper and more like mysterious and underground than um, the first one that popped into my vision was Matillaha poppy, um, which is a poppy native to Southern California. It grows like really tall. It can grow like overhead high, sort of like a sunflower or something like six to eight feet. Um, and it looks like a fried egg. It has this like big yellow center. It looks like a big juicy yolk. And then these like really delicate, almost like linen-y looking petals. And the smell is like fresh laundry. Like it's really fresh. Um, and Matilaha poppy has taught me so much about confidence and taking up space. It's almost like Leo, like I'm here and I'm going to shine. And yeah, the archetype's really confident, um, but it's also so delicate. Like it's it's one of those unlikely, like really delicate, but takes up space and is unafraid. And yeah, I just, I'm like going to that plant immediately because I'm remembering a day where I did these plant meditations and I gave each plant the time that they needed to speak. So I just walked around a garden and as each plant called to me, I would go up to it and just let it speak. Um, and Mitalaha Papi was like immediately magnetizing. And this was during a workshop and there were other people in the garden that day. And like, I found that people were very magnetized and drawn to this blooming Mitalaha. So that's the first one that I think of. Um, Mugwort, again, is a little bit more like hidden, um, a little more unassuming. Um, but when you find it, like for me, when I found it, the love was like so deep and intense and, um, yeah, mugwort's an amazing plant and really taps into, I feel like I'm like getting a little away from your question now. What's your question? Like how, how do the plants like? Just a few examples of plant personalities, because um, I think that as you talk about plants, they sound more and more like beings. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. I'll go with the mugwort a little bit. Um, mugwort I find to be um, extremely like, like a crone figure, almost a crone archetype. And it taps me immediately into my matrilineal bloodline and all the knowing and all the knowledge of all the mothers that came before me. Um like all the way back to the conception of time. And um, I think that's really cool because on a physical level, mugwort works with the blood and works with the womb specifically. And it's really great to take during moon time when you're bleeding. Um, but it is also a visionary and dreamy plant and it opens up the third eye and opens up the dream realm. And for me, it acts like a gatekeeper to the plant spirit realm. So it'll open up communication, not only with its spirit, um, but with, any other plants um, and all other plants in the area. Um, so yeah, Mugwort is just like this old wise crone that sees everything and is willing to share that knowledge if you're willing to engage and go deep and like face some scary stuff. Cece, I know I've told you this before, but I'm going to share it. <laughs> but like, I remember having mugwort from someone's garden, someone picked it and I just ate it um, that day. And I knew it 
enhances dreams. But that night when I went to sleep, I kind of forgot about it. And even in the morning, I had forgotten about it. But I woke up from a dream that was a full on musical. It was a bunch mm-hmm. of characters who were singing and I didn't even know who they are. But it was like there was a full plot and music. And mm. at the end of the dream, there was this curtain of cucumber slices that fanned <laughs> open and I walked through them and woke up. And I was like, that mm. was so whimsical and silly. What was that about? And it took me a few mm. hours to remember that it was probably a mugwort dream. Yeah. Because although I do have a variety of different kinds of dreams, sometimes after imbibing mugwort, I have dreams that are just particularly more vivid or kind of whimsical. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That's such a sweet example. And I also love that it connected you to the cucumber. <laughs> it's like, you know, that's that gatekeeper, like here's another plant that you may like. Uh, I totally wouldn't have thought of it that way, Cece. <laughs> <laughs> no, I hadn't either. I think I've heard that before and I didn't make that connection. Um, but yeah, I love it. I, yeah, my board's amazing that way and definitely is I don't know if it's a dream enhancer or just opens up the vision and the memory and the receptivity to dreams. Like maybe those messages are already coming through, but they just come a little louder and clearer with the aid of mugwort. Um, that's, that seems to be my experience at least, but I do feel like, again, I mentioned like my matrilineal line comes into play a lot with mugwort. Um, where like my, I'll, you know, I'll take it before bed and my grandmother will come visit me. And so it does feel sometimes like my work is not just like opening me up, but also helping facilitate that connection, um, with the spirit realm. And yeah, I just, I love mugwort. I adore it so much. And, um, I love connecting people with that plant too, or helping facilitate that connection. That's awesome. And you are totally a pollinator, Cece, (laughs) connecting people (laughs) and plants. And how do you think that plants connect people to each other? Because we've talked about this Mm -hmm. and I think it's a really interesting idea. Mm, Yeah, I love that. Um, I think that it's like pretty simple on a physical level. You are what you eat, right? You are what you consume. And so you consume something and you start emitting the vibration of whatever that thing is you've consumed. Um, So you're vibing. Like if you're taking mugwort, you're vibing on the level of the mugwort and like attracts like. So if you're vibing on the level of mugwort, you're going to bump into other people who have been consuming or working with that plant. So I think plants act in that way. Like they'll come into your life when you need them and they can open you up to different realms, but they're also going to connect to people because like we are humans and we connect, we probably understand the world best through other people and like getting that reflection. So I think plants can be really good at bridging us to other people that may have similar experiences or messages to share really cool it's it's like that with planetary transits where if you're going through a particular transit like let's say pluto is squaring your moon and you end Mm. up meeting a bunch of people who have moon pluto in aspect natally like while you're having that transit so it's cool to think about you know you don't have to just interact with your transits like you can decide that you want to build a relationship with neptune and start to vibe with neptune and meet more neptunian people so i imagine Mm. it's really similar with plants where some plants are going to be coming at you or seeming to be coming into your life or people are kind of bringing them or pollinating them into your life and there can also be a a willful or like a a curious, like, I want to get to know Sage or Mugwort and building that relationship. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think it goes both ways too, where sometimes it's more vocal, like you really want to dive into um, like exploring a plant. But I think sometimes the plants will come at you too. Like, I have something you need to know, or I want you to share my message and my vibration with the world. Um, like I've had that experience where a plant has come and I have been able to like embody and then like speak English words to describe the experience of that plant. That's so cool. And what about um, mushrooms? And I feel like they're also like a really great example of connecting spirits, like what they're doing underneath the ground. Can you speak to that? Definitely. Yeah. So again, on a very like physical grounded level, mushrooms um, to connect the world. And they have like, I'm sure most listeners have probably heard of the mycelial web, um, which grows between the mycelium is the like the body of the mushroom. Um, it's not the fruit. So the fruiting body is the mushroom that you see above ground. But for every fruiting mushroom, they're like miles of mycelial web um, connecting. Um, connecting the earth and the function of the mycelium is to act as a resource transport chain so like mushrooms will grow at the roots of like a aspen tree colony for example um, or any colony of trees and they help each other out and help lend like an egalitarian bend to that relationship or that community so if you have a community of trees where one is ailing for whatever reason or not photosynthesizing well and not getting enough like nourishment um, then the mushrooms will bring sugars from other trees to like help feed that tree in need um, and then the function of the mushrooms so they, they like move resources around and distribute them but they also help give the trees what they can't get themselves so trees need like had like little like trace minerals and metals and micronutrients, just like we do things that they can't make with their bodies. Um, but trees can make sugar and mushrooms can't all these. So, um, so the trees make the sugar and they trade it uh, with the mushrooms for the metals that the mushrooms, mushrooms act like little miners. They have enzymes in their bodies that like literally break down rocks and they're able to like take in the, the minerals and the metals and make them bioavailable to the trees. So they trade with the trees like sugar for metals, which is really cool. So they're like these little, they're kind of mercurial, you know, they, they're like, ah, it's like the marketplace of, of goods. And they're the vendors. Um, yeah. Giving everyone what they need in exchange for, for currency, which is sugar in this case. It's cool because, um, Maybe it's been a few podcasts since I've talked about it, but I do have experience with psychedelic mushrooms and I do really enjoy microdosing. And I feel like my mushroom experiences, even before I learned about what mushrooms were doing on a physical level, really did correspond with that description that you just shared, because I'll meet people where there's this high level of synchronicity or resonance. And I have an exchange with someone where it's like, I needed to have this. And Obviously, if I'm microdosing or on psychedelics, it's in a it's in a good setting. I'm in like a an environment where I feel connected to the group that's there, or it may be like a bigger environment, but the setting is beautiful and the consciousness seems aligned, but there's still maybe people in the room or in the space that I've never met. And somehow we get aligned and it's like kismet. And it just feels, you know, especially heightened that we would meet. And it's often mutual where they're, you know, it's a, that mutual exchange of 
resources and it could be ideas, you know, or I think that people are medicinal in the same way that plants are. And so someone will hold a vibration that has a certain tone or inspiration to it, or they have stories, they have something in their aura that, you know, sparks and changes us when we meet them. So when I learned that about mushrooms, I was Mm -hmm. mind blown because it confirmed the direct experience that I'd had with them. Yeah, I love that. And I want to add to that. I just had some connections happen in my mind that mushrooms are like these facilitators of community. And I think we live in a world where like isolation can be a problem and it can be hard for people to find community. And I think there is that like kismet or synchronicity that's always running under the surface. Like we're always bumping, like walking by people, like passing by people that we could know and probably have a lot of in common with. And I think that mushrooms can help break down those barriers and again, facilitate those connections and communications and be that little like spark that helps that connection happen that needs to happen. So they, they like allow the community to build. Um, they don't let isolation. Yeah. They don't let people like sicken in isolation. Totally connect, connect and nourish. Yeah. What are some of your favorite plant stories of experiences that maybe are a little bit like out of this world that you've had? Okay. Uh, I love this question. Um, Okay. I'll tell my most fun one first. Um, Yeah. Okay. You've probably heard the story, but I don't think any of the listeners have. Um, The main character in this story is the mulberry tree which is a really fun one. And um, I was revisiting um, my college for my fourth year reunion. Um, I'd gone to see some friends and I went back to the farm, um, the college farm where I spent a lot of time as a student and I'd go, I had a plot at the farm and I grew veggies, but I loved just sitting under the giant shade trees there and doing my readings and assignments And I went back and visited the farm. And this was, yeah, again, four years later after spending four years at the school. And for the first time, I noticed this mulberry tree. And for anyone that doesn't know what a mulberry is, it's like this giant fast growing tree with a huge canopy. It provides a lot of shade and it has these like big, juicy red, purple berries that are so sweet and so good. And Yeah, again, I don't know why I'd never noticed this tree before, but I was back and it was the end of April and the tree was just covered in berries. And so I was going through, it was like a hard time at that reunion because there were a lot of like old friends and memories that were all being stirred up, like things that I just hadn't faced in years and suddenly were like put back in the present. Um, And so I needed some alone time. So I went and sat under this mulberry tree and ate a bunch of berries until I was full. And then I just started crying and I felt like all these feelings and just like needed to, needed a vessel for for them, needed to ground them into the earth because I couldn't hold them all on my own. And so I asked the mulberry for assistance um, with my grief and holding my grief and helping me transmute it and create space for joy in my body. And I felt that happen and I felt very comforted by this tree. And um, <laughs> after this, this is like such a funny and personal experience, but um, after sitting with the tree for probably a couple hours, I went back and I reconnected with my friends. And then shortly thereafter, in like a very synchronistic experience, ran into my now partner, Dan. And we just, I don't even know how we like, 
or like just like orbited into each other but I remember just becoming like lucid and there he was and we were like standing in front of each other having this really deep conversation about um earth me working as a gardener with the medium of earth and him as a ceramicist working in the same medium of earth and um and I really felt like the mulberry had connected us um after the fact like you know days later looking at like how did this connection happen and and I really like attributed my emotional state or my um, receptivity being to like the, the assistance of the mulberry, the mulberry like helping hold my emotions for me. So that happened. And then years later, there were more connections with the mulberry, like him pulling this mulberry tarot card at a fruit tree party. And, um, and then I connected it years later also to the um, Chinese I Ching, which is a, like ancient system of divination that I love. And one of the hexagrams, there's a series of hexagrams and one of them, one line, one of six lines, one of the hexagrams says, when all is lost, tie it to the mulberry tree. And I read that line to me and like, when you're just like at wit's end and desperate and, and support or whatever, when there's like no, nothing to lose, um, I think, and I think this is sort of the literal translation of it. I'm sure there are people that know this better than me, but it's like, yeah, when you have nothing else to lose, like tie your wish to the mulberry tree, and and I guess like the tree will help you out. That's what my experience was. Um, But yeah, so many connections to that. So um, the mulberry is a special one. I want to find a mulberry tree now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you may. I think something that that brought up for me is thinking about how the earth is really abundant and generous. And I think that sometimes people experience shame when it comes to connecting to the earth. Like if they have a difficult emotion, they're like, well, I don't want to dump that on the earth. And it's funny in a sense, because I don't think that that's how the earth actually perceives it when it comes to even like how the soil is made up of dead things and dead things give life. And there's this whole cycle that's going on. So I, it makes me think about, you know, people that are holding on to so much stuff because there's not that connection or that ability to like release and kind of ground into the earth. So I'm wondering what you think about kind of getting past that shame or guilt barrier and like what's really going on with the earth and like how much the mm. earth loves us and that we're part of the earth. Yeah, that's like such a juicy question <laughs> with so many answers contained in your question and like so many things I want to run with. Um, But I do want to acknowledge the shame and fear as a feeling that I have had myself. Like this feels really bad in my body. The earth has enough to deal with. I don't want to give this to the earth to deal with. Like no one deserves to feel this feeling. And so I'm just going to be a martyr and hold it myself. Like that's something I've definitely experienced. And with time and with experience and realizing that the earth can actually deal with this and they be nourished by these heavier emotions, um, I've come to like be able to, to release to the earth. And I think that your analogy of compost is perfect. And it's not even an analogy. It's very literal. Like when we give death to something and when something dies, it goes back to the earth and it becomes food for the earth and new life. Um, And if we're going back to my mulberry example, I think it was very literal, like giving death to an old relationship and letting things shed to the earth. And that gave um, 
it provided the energy needed for a new life. Like there wasn't that space for a new person in my life and there wasn't the energy required for that to manifest. And so I think we can look at it like alchemy, like we're, we're giving something, we're like giving death to something so something new can arise. And I think the earth can totally deal with it. And I think that if we look at that, as like we are actually giving the earth a gift or a source of nourishment. And it's, I think it's much better than trying to like hold bad feelings ourselves and and enacting those feelings violently toward another human or something. Um, But I think it is also important right now um, for me to acknowledge like asking permission. Like sometimes I'll feel guilty harvesting, like taking something from the earth, um, like harvesting from a tree or a plant. Um, or likewise, like giving something heavy or dark or hard or bad to the earth. And so in those times of doubt, I will ask permission, like, earth, can I take this? Or can you take this right now? Is this okay? Um, is there a better way to express this energy? And I think those questions and the answers you may receive are really important. And that just opens up the dialogue. And I think of like a relationship with a human being too. Like if you're with your partner, you may have something like really hard that you're holding in something bad that happened to you and you maybe don't want to burden them with it. Um, but it can be really helpful and in intimacy cultivating and building to do that, um, to open yourself and let someone else receive or to let yourself receive love in return um, for, you know, like let that dark, scary part of you be filled with light and love. And um, I think that would be a place too, where you could ask permission be like, I have something, that I'm holding close to my heart and it feels really scary and bad, may I share it? Um, So to cultivate that sort of relationship with the earth where you're asking permission and so it feels consensual and reciprocal and you're giving and you're taking and you're giving and you're taking and inevitably that's what's happening while we live as human beings, like we're giving and we're taking. But if you can become conscious of that giving and taking, then you can work with it and and use it as alchemy and, and, and play with it. That's really beautiful. How do you think, um, like, what are some other ways to honor the earth or cultivate a relationship with the earth? Mm -hmm. Um, Recently for me, I've been practicing going into a space without any thought of taking. Like I've, I've definitely been in a mindset where I'm like, okay, I'm going today to harvest this thing so I can make this thing so I can share it with the world. Um, but, and I think like for me, it's really important to set that aside every once in a while and be like, I'm just going to walk through the forest and I'm not going to harvest anything or I'm going to see like what messages come to me. And so again, like sometimes the best gift can be an open ear, an open heart, an open mind. Um, and then sometimes too, I will like give <laughs> like... <laughs> I made this elderflower champagne that like doesn't taste very good. And so I may get that back to my pomegranate tree, like pour it on there because it's going to feed some nutrients back to the earth. And when I harvest from a plant, um, if I'm working with it, like making an infused oil or something, say from like a mugwort, I will return once I've infused the plant and the oil, I will will return the used leaves back to the plant um, to feed the earth. And it's, yeah, it's not a mindset that's like leave no trace, but it's like leave a trace and get back, acknowledge the trace and, and pay it forward and give thanks and gratitude. And that gratitude can be in the form of words or song, um, which can be really nice or breath. 
because by breathing, we're feeding plants. Um, we're breathing out what they need to breathe in. Um, but it can also be really intentional and beautiful, like a little offering of another plant or a hair or a piece of jewelry or something. I love that. Yeah. So there was a, a day, maybe it was in March. I'm trying to remember when we did the Uranus and Taurus challenge exactly the dates, but I went out to the woods and it had been a little bit since I'd gone out. And I felt this really distinct sense of like, I need to go out here every day. And then I had this other idea bubble up of like, I need to get other people to go outside every day. I need to talk to Cece and invite her to do this Mm -hmm. challenge with me. And I didn't know you that well at the time we had connected because you won a contest um, of mine to win a reading. And it was really interesting. Like it took me actually then meeting you in LA on a trip after the Uranus and Taurus challenge happened to really get the download that I feel like the plant world connected us Mm. because I was outside and I got the significant download to reach out to you. And I just Mm. thought it was a download that came from, you know, my spirit guides or, you know, the ways that I normally get downloads. But it it was when I was out in the woods and you were like so connected to the earth. So that was really cool. I'm really glad that the earth connected us in that way. And I'm just would love to hear um, what you thought about the Uranus and Taurus challenge. And just, I guess, as context for people listening, it was a... 30 day during a whole lunar cycle challenge to go outside and communicate with plants and to talk about it on social media to welcome in Uranus's re-entrance into the sign of Taurus. And it was really cool. We got probably, I think over 40 people participated Mm -hmm. and shared messages from the plant world on social media every day. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It was amazing. And Thank you for <laughs> listening to the plants or that motivation that you needed um, to yeah, connect to me and make it happen um, because it was such a gift. And I, I want to, I'm going to obviously circle back to this, but I do want to acknowledge this funny thing that I just realized. Um, I'm at my parents' house right now recording this episode where I rarely visit, but I came here because I knew it would be quiet and a good place to um, get this, yeah, this episode recorded. And the room that I'm sitting in is my mom's art studio. I'm looking out on the ocean and <laughs> recognizing that when we first met, when I won your contest, this was like, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago now. And their whole house was under construction. And the only room that was finished was my mom's art studio. And my partner, Dan, and I were going surfing the next morning. And we were sleeping on the bed that was in the art studio. So I'm like sitting in the exact same place I was when I had this flash of insight. Like, I usually don't do contest things online. But I know that if I do this, I will win it right now. Um, and I really want to read it with Sabrina. So I'm going to do it. So it's really funny full circle, like where I was sitting when I entered that contest is where I'm sitting right now. And it's a rare place for me to be so pretty special. Um, that's so that's so fun, cool. fun synchronicity. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Uranus and Taurus, um, what a gift and a fun and yeah, it's special challenge and um also a challenge for me um when you asked me to do it i was like hell yeah that sounds amazing um you know i'm outside 
all day, like every day communicating with the plant world. So that part for me just sounded natural. And then the internet part, like connecting to the internet and posting on Instagram every day sounded really hard and like the challenge for me, um, which is yeah, sort of funny reflection there, like the connection to the internet and then the clip. It was the opposite for me, which is funny because I'm so comfortable on social media and I'm comfortable outside too, but I wasn't going outside every day. And I remember like, it wasn't logical at all to decide to do that challenge. (laughs) Like it came through and I was like finishing grad school. I had like a lot on my plate. I didn't have that much free time. And then I was suddenly putting on my schedule, go to the woods every day, which actually (laughs) is logical in its own way, because it probably buffered the insane amount of stress I would have felt otherwise. But Mm. um, yeah, from a pure kind of time management space, it was not a logical idea. Um, But it was so worth it. I got so many ideas and so many downloads and it was just, it was fun to get people to post on Instagram who normally are like very earthy and don't like get on the social media stuff. Yeah. And that was the experience for me. I'm realizing now that it helped me open up like blow wide open this whole secret world that I had with communicating with plants, which has been really helpful in my business and connecting to people because I think that like for me, like communication has just been like natural and I do it and I don't really talk to people about it and I don't really think about it. And I had never really thought about how I could translate that experience in a way, like put it into words and put it into photos on Instagram um, in a way that people could understand it or, uh, you know, I could connect um, to other people through that. And so, yeah, that was the... I think like the biggest gift of that challenge for me, like putting words to my experience and like thinking and reflecting on those experiences that I've been having. And then also just spending time in my own garden. Like I was always going to wild spaces, but for the first time in that challenge, I actually like sat down in my garden at home and spent some significant time. And I would like go out there every day and like draft what I was going to write while sitting in my garden. And so I got to give a lot of time to plants that usually just kind of like water really fast or breeze fast and, um, that was really special. And then, yeah, again, like connecting to all these people that were like, felt really similar to me. And there was so much like connection and synchronicity. Um, and like hearing voices that I usually don't hear on the internet. It's really refreshing. Totally. So people who are in LA can work with you. And you have some really amazing offerings. So would you tell us what those are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have cultivated a few offerings and sort of like narrowed down to a couple of regular offerings, um, which include two monthly events. One of them is a monthly plant walk. Um, so we go out into a wild space somewhere in LA, usually around the mountains or a river or both. And, um, yeah, I take a group of people. It usually ends up being around 10 people and we walk around and just like talk about, <laughs> talk to all the plants we encounter. And so we focus on edible and medicinal plants and plants you could work with in your life. You could like incorporate into your diet or make medicine with or, or um, dye clothing with or make textiles with or, or use for first aid or whatever, really. Um, wherever people's interests are, we go there. Um, and yeah, it's a great opportunity to get outside and then also connect 
pretty deeply to the plant world and learn more about just like, what can you use this for, but learn, like get an idea of like the personality and the spirit and the growing habits of a plant. Um, so that's really fun and a really great way to connect to other people who are interested in plants and plant consciousness and the sort of thing we're talking about right now. Um, and then the other offering is, um, uh, also monthly plant club and the plant club is a pretty intimate gathering. We meet at my home apothecary and we focus on one plant every month. And so it's some plant that is locally available, seasonal, um, and commonly used in herbalism. So plants we've worked with are like milky oats, elderflowers, mugwort, elderberries. Um, I'm sure there are more. I don't remember. I think the next one's going to be mullein. Um, so these are plants that people have probably heard with or heard of. Um, and the idea is we're just getting to know the energy of the plant and how to work with it. So we all gather we drink tea made with the plant, and then we sit, we meditate to feel its energy in our body. Um, and then we talk about our experiences. We talk about the materia medica, just like the historical medical uses of the plant. And then um, we make medicine collectively. And it's such a special gathering, just like the meeting together to share a meditation and and meet over like some one one specific thing, common thing that brings us all together. And then to make medicine collectively, like make this thing that's going to nourish our body. Um, it's so special. And the whole, like the whole process is the medicine, like the working with the plant and the getting to know it and the getting to know the people in your community around you really like weaving together this community of support and health and healing. And it feels like a very safe space. Um, so that's become really special. Um, so those are the two main offerings and regular offerings like they're happening every month. And then, um, outside of those, which are pretty like individual and personal, um, I try to collaborate with the community and do like at least one workshop a month with someone else, like in their space, um, or yeah, just working with someone else's energy, um, and like reaching a broader community that way. Um, so yeah. And you have online products i do yeah thank you for reminding me this like business has definitely taken many forms um so the the educational part that i just talked about um, i make plant medicine that i love to share with the community these are all made from homegrown plants some wild crafted um but usually homegrown herbs um i do body oils and tinctures and glycerites and all sorts of things and um i also have seeds collected from plants that I garden, that I grow at home. Um, and then I also do garden consultations and help people grow gardens at their own home. So if they're really interested in growing plants um, or growing food and just don't really know where to start and need a little extra help, then I'm happy to come into their space and give them some guidance. So how can people find you and get in touch with you? Right. Yeah. Um, the easiest way to find me is probably on Instagram. That's where I'm the most active and available. Um, my Instagram is abundant, A-B-U-N-D-A-N-T underscore L-A. So abundant L-A. Um, yeah, you can find me there and send me a message. There are links to my website and like, you know, to get tickets for all my current offerings. And then also my website 
um, AbundantLA.com. Um, it's pretty simple. There's a contact link there and um, you can sign up for my monthly newsletter. I send out every full moon um, and that's a great way to stay on top of offerings. So if you're not on Instagram and not seeing what I'm doing like on a daily basis, um, you can sign up for the newsletter at my website and I send it out every month and just announce all the workshops. I'm doing all the medicine and making what, um, what I'm offering. Yeah. And I just remembered because you're a full moon baby. Yeah. Um, one last thing I want to ask you is what in your natal chart do you like? I mean, what in your natal chart are you really thinking about these days or feel a connection to? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And I was thinking about it a little earlier in our conversation. Um, you would mention it's like, it's like a pollinator. And I feel that really often. I'm a Gemini sun. And yeah, I feel often like a butterfly or a hummingbird or a bee just like flying through gardens and sort of like sipping on whatever nectar is sweet and helping, you know, pollinate other people's spaces. Um, I work in a lot of different spaces as well as my own garden. And, um, and I, I try to like create nourishment in a lot of diverse sources and take nourishment from diverse sources. Um, so yeah, I see my son play into a lot. Um, I am a full moon baby, so I'm a Sagittarius moon. And I think that's where my teaching and drive to, um, yeah, to teach and share and educate. And, um, yeah, I think that's where that comes in. And what else? I have Mercury and Taurus. And I think that comes into play in my desire to speak about the earth and, and act as like a, a bridge of communication and provide some sort of context and understanding for the work I do and like how to connect to the earth. And then I have South Node Cancer and North Node Capricorn. And I see that as um, my like desire or drive or ambition to build spaces for connection and community and nourishment. Like the cancer is that like family and home and connection and the Capricorn is like the, the building those spaces, like building gardens or building outdoor spaces for people to gather and connect and drop into their bodies and heal if they need to, or feed themselves or, you know, what, whatever is needed, but creating those spaces to fill um, those needs of nurturing and nourishment. Mm, that makes so much sense. Thank you for sharing that with us. And thank yeah. you for sharing about the plant world. And I really do feel like anyone who's listening, who's in LA, you have to jump on these opportunities. And it is just such a pleasure to connect more with the earth through the lens of someone who has cultivated a deep relationship with the earth. I really feel like I've been able to have deeper experiences with mm -hmm. nature because of you. So I'm really grateful to you for that. Yeah. And yeah, just so enjoy that I got to have you on the show and can't wait to see you again in LA sometime. Likewise, I'm so grateful for us connecting and you providing this opportunity for me to give voice to what I do and think is important. And um, yeah, excited to hopefully connect with new folks through this and yeah, see some new faces and help people develop their relationships with the plant world and so grateful for the Uranus and Taurus challenge, which is ever unfolding. We're still in that 
astrological time and it'll be fun to see how that unfolds over the years and yeah just so so grateful for your role in um helping me share my voice um, which is really fun i'm really excited to see you creating this platform for really interesting people to um to share their stories and um to hear your story because it's really interesting as well um so i am grateful and thank you thank you everyone for listening to us speak today Thank you, Cece. And yes, thank you, everyone. Go check out Abundant LA and connect mm. more with the earth. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. All right. Thanks, Cece. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you for listening. Go connect with Cece on Instagram at Abundant underscore LA. You can connect with me on Instagram at Sabrina Monarch. I'm going to be producing a lot more content posts and stories about astrology education. So little mini lessons and things like that. So I hope you'll join me for that. I have an ask. I would really love and appreciate it if you left a review for this show on iTunes. The more that we have reviews and ratings, the more visible this show becomes. And if you feel that any of these messages would help out humanity or help the planet in some way, if it's done that for you, please boost the signal so others can have that experience as well. I hope you're having a beautiful day. Please have a blessed rest of your day and I will see you back on the show soon. 